All right, good morning. Uh, it's good to have you here. Are we awake this morning? Are you feeling good? Did you have enough co- coffee? Danny doesn't drink real coffee. I have no respect for that man at all. <laughs> at all, just so you know. So um, no, it's great to have you here. My name is Nathan Hinkle. I'm the campus pastor here at White Oaks Ross Township Campus. And we are glad you chose to spend your morning with us. We are launching into a new series today. And um, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. All right. I don't know if that, video, that, that short video kind of gave you some indication. That's what we're talking about. But the Holy Spirit is, um, is an intriguing topic uh, for us to tackle. Um, one of the reasons is, um, for some of us, for, for, possibly for many of us, the Holy Spirit's an unfamiliar topic, okay? Um, we just don't know a lot about the Holy Spirit. Now, now, many of us may know what Christians have held as um, a core to our teaching for, for you know, 2,000 years is that God exists, at one, God exists in three persons. And maybe you've heard of this, right? That, that we have God the Father, and Jesus is, is the Son, and then there's the Holy Spirit. Now, the first two, we can kind of generally wrap our heads around, can't we? God the Father is, is God, right? He's the creator, okay? And you don't have to even be a believer in Jesus or a Christian or a church person to, to kind of wrap your brain around God the Father. He's the creator. He, he's, he's the ultimate. But, but even so, you don't really have to, to be able to say a lot about who Jesus is to kind of understand that, that that was God's son, that he came and, and, and he was a real person and, and he died. And, and you may believe, as I do and many of us do, that he rose from the grave, right? But the Holy Spirit's a different thing, okay? He, he's, a, he's, a, he's different because we don't really understand a lot about him sometimes. And so, so that can be intimidating for us, right? And, 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 and we're intimidated by the Holy Spirit, but we're intimidated by, by, by things that we don't really understand, right? That's, that's one of the definitions of being intimidated by something. Um, I'm intimidated by math, for example, all right? You've probably heard me say that. It's horrible, okay? My daughter's in fifth grade, and I'm pretty much tapped out, okay? Um, my wife has to take it from there, all right? Math intimidates me because I don't understand it. My brain doesn't feel that way. And at this point, I don't even care to understand it. All right? But we're also intimidated by things that we don't have a lot of experience with. And so if there's just this lack of familiarity, we're intimidated. And so sometimes that's how we approach the Holy Spirit. We're really not sure what to think about it, right? Um, My sister got me and Denise a Christmas present this year. And it's this place you go to in Cincinnati and you get some, like, you know, uh, appetizers or whatever, and then you paint. You, have you seen this? Have you seen this on Groupon? I think that's where it came from, right? And I'm looking through the options of the dates and places you can go to paint a picture, and I'm looking at these images, and Denise and I are like, we can't do that, we can't do that, we can't do that. We're just going to have to give this gift back to them, because we can't paint. I, I'm, I'm intimidated by painting. I have no skill in it, all right? And I have no experience in it. Now, the, uh, another reason that we're intimidated is that when someone appears to have power over us that we don't have, that can be intimidating. When they have a power that we don't have, and so some of you may find a boss at some point in your career has been intimidating. Uh, Maybe it's a teacher or, or, or someone that you know that's intimidating to you. So why do we approach the Holy Spirit, this person that we lack some familiarity with or lack some understanding 
with, why do we approach it with this wind and fire? All right, why this title, wind and fire? Well, this is reminiscent of, uh, of, of a long time in the past in the Old Testament, into the Jewish scriptures of, of our Bible, right? Where the prophet Isaiah, who lived 900 years before Jesus was alive, he talked about God in this way. And look, listen to what Isaiah says in chapter 4, verse 5. He says, Then the Lord will create over all Mount Zion and over those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night. Over everything, the glory will be a canopy. So see, this imagery of the Spirit of God kind of manifesting himself in, in this smoke, in this mist, in this wind, in this fire, um, goes back as long as we know. But look what happens if you fast forward into the New Testament. Jesus, all right? L- listen to what j- happens to Jesus' disciples just after Jesus' resurrection. And this is in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Listen to this, okay? You're going to see this imagery. On the day of Pentecost, all of the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. In Hebrew, the word is ruach. And the New Testament in the Greek, the equivalent word is pneuma. And it means breath of air, wind. Now, for thousands of years of human history, cultures have deified or mystified elemental forces whether it's water or wind or fire, that, that human culture has often believed that there is this mystical power there. And so like the ancient Mayans of, of Central and South America, um, their god, Hurricane, right, was the god of, of wind. And that's where we get the word hurricane, right? And, or, or, or ancient Greek mythology, it was um, Prometheus, the Greek god of fire, right? So throughout human history, um, our culture has seen something powerful in these elements. And what uh, Jesus does when he comes on the scene, right, is he's about to talk to you and me about this promise of the Holy Spirit. Something that I think our Father put in us in this curiosity of the elements, Jesus is going to reclaim. And no longer is it a hurricane or a Prometheus, but Jesus is going to reclaim Ruach and Numa when he uses those words to describe a very real person who shows up in the life of everyone who would believe. So that's where we find ourselves today. Let me show you how Jesus actually talks about the Holy Spirit with his disciples. And we're going to be in John 
chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, um, Danny was up here, he mentioned the hub. We have Bibles at the hub and they're free and we just want you to have one. There's also a card there and you can see one of us at the hub that's got uh, the, the name and the description of a really great Bible app that many of us have. And it's, a, it's an incredible tool. You could download that. Some great tools for you at the hub when you leave. But we're going to be in John chapter 14, verse 23. Listen how Jesus talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say, and my Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. What Jesus says to these guys is, and we see this later as well, is that when you put your faith in the person and the work of Jesus, okay, listen, listen. When you put your faith in the person and the work of Jesus, his death on the cross to take your and my place, right? Because we deserve to die for our sin. When you put your faith in Jesus, the person who took your place there, then God gives you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, enters into our life. All right? Our Heavenly Father, Jesus says, sends this advocate, and depending on what translation of the Bible you're reading out of, it could say helper, it could say counselor, but whatever the word is, Jesus says that God will send you, he says this to his followers, the advocate, a helper, a friend, and then here's, the most, here's one of the most mind-blowing parts of it, because Jesus essentially says he's going to send one who is just like me. Only now he will live inside of you. One who is just like me is coming and is going to live inside of you. Here's why this conversation over the next few weeks and wind and fire is so important to you and to me. And it's no matter what you have as your religious background or what you believe in Jesus, here's why this is important for all of us. We all need an advocate, don't we? We need to know someone is fighting for us. The ancients looked to Prometheus or Huracan or, or a number of others, and you and I have to look somewhere too. We all need to know someone's fighting for us. Some, we, we, we all are searching for an assurance, right, that God is real and that he's with us. If, if we weren't looking for some assurance that, that this is possibly all true, there wouldn't be one of us that would be here this morning. Each of us wants to know that we have a purpose, that we're loved, that things don't have to stay the way that they are right now. And church, that is the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the promise of those things. So this is our big idea for today, and I encourage you to write this down, all right? And there might be a few other things you want to jot down as well, or... or Open up your phone and bring up a note and just kind of type in some notes. Be in step with the Holy Spirit. Be in step with the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit several times, especially in the book of John, where John records Jesus' life. I want to read for, um, out of John chapter 3, verse 8. Jesus says, The wind blows uh, wherever it pleases. 
you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit as what? As a wind, right? This force. And the thing about wind, which we all know, is that it's a non-physical thing, isn't it? Wind is a non-physical thing. You can't see it. But it is a tangible thing. You can feel it, and you can see its effect. I don't know how many of you remember, uh, probably most people in this room do, um, where you were and what you were doing on September 14th, 2008. All right? There were 75 mile per hour winds that came from a hurricane, category one hurricane winds that blasted through Cincinnati. All right? Probably everybody in this room lost power at some point. Some people lost power for a day. I think we were out at our house in Colerain for like six hours, but I know some of you were out for like nine or ten days or two weeks. All right? That was an amazing, scary thing that happened. There were trees d- down everywhere. There were stores were closed, trash and debris in our yards. You could feel the wind that day, all right? You could feel it, and you could see the impact it had on your neighborhood, all right? And it not only destroyed things, but what also what happened is neighbors started talking to each other. God forbid, right? I hear stories in, in, you know, of the neighborhood we live in now and they talked about being out of power and, and, and people just kind of coming out onto their porches and dragging out their grills and grilling all of their meats and, and spending time hanging out together outside because it was better than staying inside in the dark and letting all of your stuff spoil in your freezer, right? So, so and on September 14th, 2008, you could see the impact of the wind and you could feel the effects that it had on your neighborhood and your neighbors. It was kind of a kind of a cool thing that happened in some neighborhoods and communities in that way. You couldn't see the wind, but the impact was obvious. So it is with the Holy Spirit. The impact in our lives, uh, White Oak, in our individuals, and the impact on our church by the Holy Spirit, it should be so clear to other people that they may not see him but they would experience his impact through us. I want to share with you this morning three promises of the Holy Spirit. Trust me, (laughs) there are more than three, all right? But we're going to focus today on three promises that the Holy Spirit breathes into our lives. And the first one is this. The promise of the Holy Spirit allows you and I to live like you and I were meant to live. The Holy Spirit allows us to live like we were intended to. And if I could be so bold, right, I think there's a lot of us here this morning that are not living the lives that God designed you and I to live. And what I mean is, see, there's this life that Jesus talks about in John chapter 10, where Jesus says that that he has come to give us not just life, but life to its fullest, life to its most abundant form. And there's many of us here who aren't experiencing abundant life in Jesus. We're existing 
We're breathing. But we have traded real life for a version that we think is good. Not full or abundant, but we've, we, we've just kind of traded full or abundant for a life that we think is good. Or a life that we think will get us to good. I want you to see what um, Paul says, one of the first century's greatest church planters. Um, he's writing to Christians in the province of Galatia, and, and he says this in Galatians chapter 5. Listen to what Paul says about the Holy Spirit. He says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And he goes on to describe and give some examples of this sinful nature, which ultimately is our nature when the Holy Spirit is not evidenced in our lives. All right, so he talks about drunkenness and selfishness and, and envy and bitterness and rage and sexual impurity, right? Um, but then he goes on in verse 22. It says, but the Holy Spirit, look at that produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Be in step with the Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit allows you and me to experience and live the life that God has always intended us to, then that means we allow and invite the Holy Spirit to produce those kinds of qualities in our lives that Paul just talked about. He produces them. Listen, church, it's not just one day they're there, but the Holy Spirit's doing a work and he's producing. We are a work in, pro- in, in process, right? The Holy Spirit's producing these things in our lives. So we just have to ask him to, invite him to, and he will. So just say, um, ask for it. Just say those words. Ask for it. Ask for it. The Holy Spirit's a producer. Like he makes things. So the next time when you feel pulled towards anger and just bitterness, ask for love. Ask him to produce it in you. The next time you feel sexual temptation, ask for self-control. Ask the Holy Spirit. I mean, literally, word for word, Holy Spirit, give me self-control. Produce that in me today, in this moment. When you feel selfishness, and we all have that, that's, all, that's a struggle for all of us. Would you start your day by asking the Holy Spirit to produce a new kindness? Kindness towards others. When envy, man, when you're looking at what somebody else has or the life you think they have, you say, I wish that was mine. I wish I had that. Would you in those moments ask the Holy Spirit to give you joy? A joy that wells up inside of you that is not dependent upon your circumstances or the things you've accumulated. When you're hurting and you feel like that there's this pain that's just going to be there forever, 
Can you ask the Holy Spirit, will you ask him to produce in you peace? Peace. That your father loves you. You see, church, the Holy Spirit is in the business of production. He produces these things in us and allows us to live the life that God wants us to live, a full, abundant, better life. Do you ever realize something sometimes when you are missing something? Have you ever been frantic? I know you have. You've torn your house or your bedroom apart frantically looking for something you think you've lost, right? It happens to all of us. Um, looking for it, and you, and you finally find it in the place that it always should have been, right? As it happened to me the other day, um, I had to run out of the house, and um, sometimes my wife and I just share keys because of one vehicle's got the key fob thing. It, you know what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. Anyway, um, so I knew she had taken my car at some point the day before, so I'm looking for keys. I'm like, oh my gosh, where are they? They're not in the little key basket, and, and so then I have to take her purse and literally dump all of the contents onto the kitchen table, and I felt bad about it, and I'm just like shaking it out, and every key we own is there except for mine, and I, and, and I finally yell up the stairs to her. I'm like, have you seen my keys? And, and she's like, no, you know, and I'm like, and, and just right when I'm getting ready to say, you were the last one, I'm like, oh, crud. Walked over there in my bag, my backpack, where I had put them the last time I had used them, Right? And they were there, right? But you know, you're all, you get to that place where you're always frankly looking for something. And we find ourselves searching for God, for someone who is our advocate, someone who will fight for you, right? someone who will remind you that you have value and you have, you have meaning. And we're looking for that thing, some assurance, right, that we matter, that we have purpose, that we have freedom, right? And some of us try finding that in church, some of us try finding that in a relationship with a boy or a girlfriend. Some of us try to find that in drugs or just um, success and recognition. Right? Something that will give us this, this change in our life. It's interesting we use that phrase, boy, that was a breath of fresh air. When something good finally is revealed, this pneuma, Breath, breath of life. And you and I will search frantically for it. And Paul says, the Spirit has given you this breath, this promised breath, new life. The Holy Spirit of God has given that to those of us who believe. Ask him to do his work in you, church and he will. Jesus promises us that we will see and feel the impact. Here's the next one. The promise of the Holy Spirit uh, compels you and I to do what we are meant to do. All right? Now, that's a different word. Compels us. All right? Not just allows us, but compels us that was my word. I chose that, but I chose it on for a reason. Compels us to do what we were meant to do. This is about the church. When I say what we are meant to do, I'm talking as a collective body. Over the last several weeks here at White Oak, we've been talking about how the church is made for more, right? That the church was made for more, that we were made for more than just attendance, 
that you and I collectively as a body of believers were made for more than just attending our life group. We were made for more than just our Bible study at home by ourselves, secluded and safe, right? That we were made for more. And we were made for more because God has put it on us, his church, to share his love with the world, with our community, in every sphere of society, everywhere, every teenager and adult in this room has any influence at all. God has showed you his love. He's giving you glimpses of it, if even for the first time today, so that you can know it and take it and share it with others. The Spirit compels the church, guys, listen. The Holy Spirit compels us to do what we were always meant to do. And we were meant to do two things. The Spirit compels you and me as a collective body of believers to bring glory and honor to God. And to draw others who will bring glory and honor to God. That's why we exist. That's what the Spirit compels you and I to do. Look in Acts chapter 1. These are, so these are Jesus' words just before he ascends into heaven. This is after his resurrection in verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, the promise of the Holy Spirit, church, is the promise that he will equip you and I to do every good work he's asked us to do. The promise of the Holy Spirit is that you don't have to be afraid, that you won't know how, you won't know what to say, you don't know what to do. The Holy Spirit equips you and me to do the things that we were always meant to do. So I want you to say, I am equipped. Say those words. I am equipped. You are. You are. If you have the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are equipped to do everything you were meant to do. The problem with many Jesus followers, and this is, this, this is awful to say, but the, promise, the problem with many of us who are followers of Jesus is that we've been equipped by the Holy Spirit. If, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, you are equipped, okay? There's no question. You are. But the problem is we're still searching for our keys. You're still looking for that thing, that tool. We're still looking for that thing that we know is missing. We're not sure where it is. We're not sure where to find it. In church, many of you are followers of Jesus. You've given your life over to him. You've been baptized into his name. And there are many of us that are still searching. And it's there. And some of you have just even stopped looking. He promises to give us what we need to share his love with the world, with your family and the place you work and the place you go to school, to your neighbors. And the proof See, the cool thing is the Holy Spirit doesn't give us 
just this, I mean, he gives us proof. And the proof is our lives. The proof is your life. And people may not see him, but they'll see the impact of him through you. That's his promise. Here's the third one. The Spirit promises, the Spirit is, the, is God's guarantee that you are his. This is the number one. If you remember nothing else today, I want you to know that and I want you to write that down. The Spirit is God's guarantee that you are his. Look what Paul says to the Christians in Ephesus. He says this in his letter to, him, to them in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit, get this guys, listen to this. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. The number one thing the Spirit does the number one thing the Holy Spirit does is he confirms a promise that God made to us. He confirms that God's greatest desire for his people is that we feel secure in his love and power. That we would know it. It's a guarantee. Everything else in this life is unstable. You don't know what's going to happen with your family. You feel the rockiness sometimes there. We have no guarantee about our health about our education, our relationships, our job. Everything feels so unstable at times, doesn't it? And at any one of those levels, you and I might feel like that we're up on this ledge of this 40-story building, and there's this unpredictable wind just like just buffeting you. And at any particular day, you and I can just feel like we're just grabbing onto these bricks, right? And we're stumbling and we're falling because every time you grab onto one of those bricks, it pulls loose out of the mortar. So God, so passionately committed to loving you and me, to knowing, to, for us to know how much he loves you, for having a people of his own possession, that we would be with him forever. He was so committed to that, that he wasn't about to let you and I walk around unsure or believing without being equipped. Our eternal destiny, our eternal destiny not dependent on our own abilities. He loved us too much, and so he commissions the Holy Spirit to enter our lives. As a preserving seal to lock in your faith, as an authenticating seal that proves that we are sons and daughters, as a protecting seal to keep out the forces of evil, the point is that God wants you and I to feel secure in his love and power forever. So he sent you the Holy Spirit. And he says to us, I have redeemed you by the blood of my son, Jesus. I've bought you, I've purchased you. And I've put my spirit in you as a guarantee that I'm with you forever. 
here's what I want us to reflect on this morning. The band will, will play, and, and I just want to invite you to take just a, just a minute, just a minute where you are in your seat to consider two things. One of two. There's people in this room, there's many of us who are followers of Jesus that need to live out this promise, that we need to be in step with the Holy Spirit, because if you are honest with yourself, you have been out of step with him. You've not been living the life, the the abundant life that God has promised you. And you've not been for the purpose that you were meant to be for as part of this community of believers in the church. Or if you've forgotten that you are a dearly loved son and daughter of the creator of the universe, and there's nothing that you can do to change that. So if you've been out of step, my encouragement is ask him and start walking with him. Second to that is if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, I encourage you only to claim that promise. To ask Jesus. Write on your connection card, I want to know more about um, my, putting my faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And we'll connect with you. I'll, I'll, I'll call you and we'll, we'll chat about that. But you would, you would say, I want to claim that promise. That the same power, the same spirit that raised Jesus out of the grave is the same power that can regenerate your life. Church, that's powerful. How do you know when the wind comes? You can't see it. But you can't feel it. And you'll know. Pray with me, Father God. We invite your Holy Spirit into this place. Just fall on your people. You're so real. You're so tangible, Father. Help, help us. Help us to see the impact of your power in our lives. Help us in our unbelief. Strengthen our faith. We invite you to do your work. We ask you to do your work. And we're so thankful for Jesus. We pray these things in the power of his name. Amen.